Hey guys, welcome to Recalibrate, a mindset podcast designed to help you break free from the old and press on to the new. We want to welcome you back. If you are a subscriber to this podcast, thank you so much for your time. It honors me that you would take time away from your day to listen, to learn, and to grow. If you are new to this podcast, I hope that you find it profitable for your mind, your body, and your soul. I truly appreciate you connecting. Can I ask you to take a a minute or so of your time once you're done listening to this episode? Give me your rating. I hope it's a five-star, by the way. (laughs) And would you also leave a comment? As I've mentioned before in previous episodes, your comments are a source of encouragement to me. I keep on going back to them and rereading them. A recent subscriber wrote, Love listening to Recalibrate with Milton. It always seems as if he's talking directly to me in every episode. Highly recommended for anyone looking to feed their mind with positive energy. Thank you so much for your kind words. They bless me. Can I just tell you that we are definitely living in weird times. These times are precarious ones. They're different. They don't fit into the norm. You know, it's during times like this that we can easily fall prey to fear and lose all hope. You see, fear has the potential to override our faith. And I encourage people all the time, surround yourself with people of great faith. Otherwise, somebody else's fear will determine your faith and later on determine your destiny. A few days ago, I was talking to a friend of mine who happens to be a fellow psychologist and a sister in the faith. We were talking about COVID-19 and its ramifications, its psychological ramifications, of course. And she said something to me that was very profound. She says, you know, Milton, this uh, virus has two demons attached to it. One of them is fear and the other one is anxiety. We both recalled the Apostle Paul's words to Timothy. When he said, for God has not given you the spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You know, we are reminded through God's word that we are not hardwired for fear or anxiety. In other words, we weren't born to be afraid or to be anxious or to be depressed or to feel hopeless. We were wired for power, love, and a sound mind. That is our default mode. Picture a cell phone. When you pull it out of the box and you turn it on the very first time, you have to program it. You have to add all of your basic information and your usernames and passwords to your, to your iCloud. Uh, and once you've used it for several months, you've added your own apps. But there comes a point where you want to trade it in for a newer one and you have to reset it to its original settings, its factory settings. We are somewhat like that cell phone, and we can use that as a metaphor, as an analogy. When we were born, we were born with factory settings. Our settings were power, love, and a sound mind. It was never fear. It was never anxiety, depression, or hopelessness. But over the years, as we grow older, we are being conditioned or programmed to believe a certain way, to fear certain things, to develop anxieties. And so we have to reboot our system back to its original settings. You know, Paul talks about it. The Apostle Paul says, 
don't conform to the patterns of the world. Don't be like everyone else, basically. He's saying don't conform socially. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve God's perfect, pleasing, and goodwill for your life. You see, that's the key, is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If the mind is not continually renewed, and this isn't a one-time occurrence, by the way, this is something that has to happen on a daily basis. We have to evaluate our thought process, our belief system, our worldview. We have to evaluate it. And let me just say this. We have to become like David and say, search my heart, O God, and put my thoughts to the test. In other words, put my mind and my heart under an x-ray and show me if there's anything in there that's holding me back from your purpose, O God. With everything happening in our world today, it's so easy to be filled with, with fear and anxiety and to, and to lose all hope. This past weekend, I was, I was at the gas station pumping gas, and as I was getting back into my car, I received a text message from a good friend of mine. He was asking me for prayer. He said, pray for my son who's intubated right now. He's sedated. He's fighting COVID-19. He's in critical condition. He's in the ICU. I have to admit to you guys and be honest, my heart broke. You see, this young man in his uh, early 30s, he had been a coaching client of mine. And not only that, but a brother in faith, someone that I had a relationship with, with his family, a great friendship. And to hear that he was intubated, that he was in the hospital, and that from one day to the next, he ended up in the ICU and was now fighting for his life, it broke my heart. I sat there in the vehicle and I, I cried. I prayed. I prayed for his, for his life and I prayed for his family. I prayed that I wouldn't allow fear to creep into my mind at that point because it was a moment of weakness, a moment where I felt hopeless. I felt burdened and I hurt for them. Unfortunately, a few hours later, I would receive a second text message from his father letting me know that he had just passed away. My heart ached for him and his family. But then I was filled with hope as I was reminded of the words spoken by Jesus. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. What a beautiful promise, a promise that elevates our hope. And because this young man knew Christ, had a relationship with Christ, and was passionate about God, I know that today he's dancing in fields of grace with his Father God, walking on streets of gold, living that abundant life that Jesus promised to us. Rest in peace, my brother. One day we will reconnect. I want to encourage you today to be filled with hope. And to wait on the Lord who is more than able. Listen, he is more than able to show himself strong in your life. In spite of whatever you're going through right now, whatever your challenges may look like, whatever they may sound like, whatever's hurting you, I want you to know that he can and will suddenly show up and change everything in a blink of an eye. You see, God is preparing you for the promise. He's not preparing the promise for you. The promise is there. It's been there. His word never changes. Let me tell you, it's infallible and incorruptible. It's indestructible. A lot of what I'm going to share today in this episode is no secret or surprise. Actually, most of it is common knowledge. 
It's just not common practice. You may know these principles and even understand them, but you have a hard time applying them to your own life. You see, it's always easier to believe for someone else's healing or to believe that God is able to set people free or that he desires to prosper his children or that God is more than enough and that he causes us to triumph or that he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above we could ever ask, think, or imagine. But but then we have a real hard time believing all of this for our own lives, as if God favored others and really didn't care about us. It's, it's, it's interesting, but, but people will see God, God showing himself strong in other people's lives, and then they think, well, that's just for them. They're special, but me, I'm never going to see any breakthrough in my own life. And you must realize that God can suddenly show up and heal you completely and restore your body. You must believe that God can show up and break that addiction that you've been suffering with, that he can suddenly show up and save your marriage and or promote you to a higher place. You've got to start believing today that God wants to do this. He wants to do more in your life. Not only is he able, he is willing. There's a, uh, a portion of the scripture there in Luke 5, 12 through 13 that says that while Jesus was In one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him. He said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. (laughs) Did you notice what I just said? What I just read? If you are willing? Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately, suddenly, unexpectedly, the leprosy left this man. So if your prayer sounds like that, like this man's, Lord, if you are willing... Let me just tell you, if it's a promise, if it's in the word of God, the Lord is saying, yes, my son, yes, my daughter, I am willing. Oftentimes, it's our lack of self-worth that gets in the way and causes us to believe that we're not worthy of being healed or restored, that we're not worthy of a breakthrough. We have to elevate our self-worth and realize that in God's eyes, we are worthy. Over the years, I have watched God work mightily in the lives of many people, people from different backgrounds, different walks of life, different spiritual maturity. I remember back in 2003, I was a brand new preacher. I was I was new in the ministry, and I got a phone call from a church member. She was letting me know that her husband had been admitted into the hospital and that he wasn't doing too well. And she was asking if I would stop by and pray for him. So I knew that her husband was not a churchgoer. He was not a church member. And as a matter of fact, I knew that he was against her family going to church. And so I remember grabbing my Bible and heading over to the hospital for the very first time. This was my first official hospital visit. I felt empowered with my Bible in one hand and my credentials in the other hand as I walked into the hospital. The security guard informed me that I could not go up to the eighth floor because it was the ICU, and I remember showing him my badge and stating that I was a pastor, and he immediately opened up the elevator and let me walk in. As I walked into that room, the wife was standing there with her son. Her husband lay in bed in excruciating pain. He had gangrene. This man had lived a very unhealthy lifestyle for many years, and he was, according to doctors, going to die very soon. Not only did this gentleman have gangrene in his body, but he had spiritual gangrene. He had this resentment against God. He blamed God for 
all of the uh, misfortune in his life. And I remember approaching him, and as soon as he saw me getting closer and he noticed that I had a Bible in my hand, he connected the dots and realized that I was a minister. He stretched out his hand and told me to stop. He asked me to leave. He threatened to call the nurses if I stayed in that room. He informed me that he didn't believe a word of what was in that tiny little black book, he stated. I'll be honest with you, I hesitated. I wasn't sure if I was to leave or if I was to stay, but but I thought to myself, okay, I came here for a purpose, and I know that God loves this guy regardless of where he stands in his heart and in his life right now. So I wasn't about to leave just like that. No, I quickly went over to the side of his bed before he could reach over to that remote control with the red button that would call the nurses, causing them to storm into the room. I went over and I stretched out my hand right over his chest without touching him. I asked her, his wife and uh, son to come over and to join with me and in prayer. He informed me that he had no faith and that he did not believe. And I said, well, your wife and your son do, and so do I. So we're going to pray for you today. He said, your prayer's not going to work. I'm going to die anyways. I'm leaving this room in a black bag. And I said, no, sir, you are leaving on your feet. And one day you're going to come to the church and you're going to give witness testimony of what God has done in your life. What happened next was like a scene straight out of a scary movie. Look, I didn't know what to say. I was so nervous. This man was giving me the ugly stare and he was yelling at me and my hand was hovering over his chest and I quickly started to pray. I literally didn't know what to say. I just uh, started saying in Jesus' name, that's all I could say. And because I knew that the word says that there's power in the name of Jesus. And so I would just say in Jesus' name. And this man, he would scream with excruciating pain and his body would contort in the bed and uh, he would move in an exorcist type way. I'm not kidding you. It was freaky to say the least. And all I could say was in Jesus name. This went on for about two to three minutes until I finally, I I looked at him and I said, I'm done. I'm leaving and I will see you soon, my brother. With an ugly stare, he looked at me and he said, I'm not your brother. My final words before walking out of that hospital room were, Jesus loves you and so do I. About two months after that event, I was standing behind the pulpit sharing a message on faith. Halfway through the message, the church doors opened and in walked the man. Yes, the man who was in the hospital with the gangrene. He was walking, not in a wheelchair. He was whole. He looked strong. He looked healthy. He walked in straight to the altar, knelt down and cried profusely like a baby. That day, he asked God for forgiveness. His life, his life would never be the same again. You see, that day in the hospital, God showed up suddenly, unexpectedly, and turned his situation around. One of the devil's biggest lies is that your situation is never going to change, that you're never going to get healed that you're never going to overcome or be set free, that you're never going to prosper, and that this is your lot in life, and that you are destined to fail. You see, the devil's main goal is to completely destroy your hope, to the point where you start to accept his lies as truth, to the point where you start to visualize the way he wants you to see yourself, to the point where you are fully convinced that nothing is going to change in your life. 
Don't fall into this crazy trap. Don't believe the lies. It's imperative that you understand that God is a God of the suddenly. He can suddenly and unexpectedly show up and turn your whole situation around in the blink of an eye, just like he did for the man in the hospital or the man with leprosy. I mean, come on, Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. His promises are yes and amen. The promises of God are not yes, then no. They're not, I don't know, or maybe so. The promises of God are yes. Will he save you? Yes. Will he heal you? Yes. Will he deliver you? Yes. Will he set you free? Yes. Will he supply for all of your needs? Yes. The promises of God are yes, and the promises of God are amen. As I look back today to my early years in ministry, I realized that God allowed me to witness uh, different events where He showed up unexpectedly to fortify, to strengthen my faith. There were moments, I'll be really honest with you, there were moments during which my faith was shaky. My hope was hopeless. I was weak at times, and I needed to be strengthened. I was at one of my lowest points in my in my faith and my hope, and it was a Sunday, and there I was supposed to be sharing a message of hope, of course, with a congregation, and there I was feeling down and depressed on the inside, but smiling on the outside, trying to show something that was not. I was sharing a message on salvation and hope, and toward the end of the sermon, the doors opened and a young lady walked in all the way to the front of the church. She sat down and she started crying. After the service was over, I approached her. I sat down next to her, and I listened to her. She had explained to me that she had come from Guatemala. She was an illegal immigrant. She was walking by, and she noticed the sign that said, Spanish Church Service, so she decided to walk in. The girl was about 26 years old. She explained to me that she had fled her country and had uh, gone into Mexico and stayed there for about a year before uh, making it to the United States. But in the process of coming over, she developed uh, certain symptoms. She was sick. And so she had gone to the doctor in Mexico and they had run several tests and they had found out that she had a a big tumor, uh, a sizable tumor in her belly. And uh, she pulled out some medical records. Now, she wasn't asking for a handout. She wasn't asking for money. She was asking for a miracle. The doctors had told her that unless she, she was put on uh, medication and uh, started chemotherapy soon, that uh, she wouldn't live long. But wouldn't you know that God had a different plan? I asked some of the ladies from the congregation that I knew were prayer warriors to come on over and to form a circle around this young lady. I explained to them what she was going through. The tumor was very evident, by the way. She looked like a pregnant woman on her sixth month. I asked this young lady two very important questions before we prayed for her. I said, do you think that God is able? She said, I do. I said, do you think that God is willing? She said, I do. So then I said, get ready, for he is about to heal you. I wasn't speaking out of emotion, by the way. I knew deep down in my heart that that was God's desire. That afternoon, we prayed a powerful prayer and God showed up. And although there was no physical evidence, in other words, the belly was still swollen, there was still evidence of a tumor in the natural, in the spiritual, something was happening and she would soon realize it. That afternoon before she left, I set up an appointment uh, for her to see a friend of mine who is a doctor. I called him and I asked him if he would 
if he would uh, please see her the following day and if he would run some tests. He said, sure, I can run a, uh, a sonogram and, and see what's inside of her belly. Now, this doctor, by the way, was not a believer. <laughs> so here you go. There was a double plan there. Uh, this girl was about to receive a breakthrough and that doctor was about to see a miracle in the works. So the following day, the doctor called me and he said, Milton, there's uh, no evidence of anything at all. This young lady uh, is in great shape. She is healthy. I ran all the blood work and did the sonogram. She is good to go. (laughs) Now he did. He did see the medical records that she brought with her from Mexico. So he did see that evidence that God had healed her body. The following Sunday, she came in with a great big smile, with a, with a different countenance, a different demeanor. She was walking with great confidence, radiating God's love. That day, that day was her turning point. Her life would never be the same. From that day forward, she served God. And to this day, many years later, she still shares her story with everyone, her story of what God did in her life. And I want to encourage you today that if God was able to do that in her life, He's able to do it in your life. Not only is he able, remind yourself, he is also willing. You have got to wake up every morning believing this, this could be the day. This could be the day that I receive my miracle. This could be the day in which I see my breakthrough. This could be the day my son or daughter returns home. This could be the day. You've got to remind yourself every morning, this could be the day. It's time to reposition yourself. Yes, reposition yourself. In other words, put yourself in a position to receive. God wants to do a work in your life. Some of you are waiting for God to move, and yet God, God is waiting for you to move, my friend. You've got to take the first step. You've got to take a step in faith. You see, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's faith. And so a lot of people ask me, okay, I've got some faith, so how do I elevate my faith? Well, then the scripture says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you've got to get into his word so that you can reposition yourself and grow your faith. In Luke's gospel, we hear about a woman who suffered 12 years from an issue of blood. Now, imagine this woman had had a menstrual cycle for 12 years, and due to the Levitical law of the time, she was considered unclean and therefore should not be around other people. In other words, she was basically being quarantined for 12 years. (laughs) We've been quarantined for a few months and we're frustrated. This woman had been isolated She had been marginalized. She had been pretty much rejected by society because she was considered unclean. The Bible says that she had used up all of her financial resources trying to find a cure, trying to get healed, but she was unsuccessful. But one day, and here's the big but, but one day, I imagine because I'm a visual learner that she happened to be looking through the window and heard the voice or the commotion of the people and saw a man that people called the Messiah, the master, the teacher, Jesus of Nazareth. And she noticed that he went about healing the blind, raising the dead and healing those with leprosy. Her faith was strengthened. It was increased. It was fortified. And although she was severely anemic. In other words, she had no physical strength, no natural strength. 
There was a supernatural strength that was rising up inside of her that would allow her to reposition herself. And I can only imagine that she dragged herself out of her cot, out of that tiny little bed onto the ground. And she told herself that if she only was able to go over and touch the hem of Jesus' garment, that she would be healed. You see, she had envisioned herself touching the hem of his garment, receiving her complete healing, her complete restoration. And I imagine that she kept on repeating these words as she dragged herself out of her small home into the multitude on the dirt ground, all the way to where the Messiah was standing. Now, keep in mind that he was surrounded by people who wanted to touch him, who wanted to be around him. If this had been uh, happening in our times, then you would have a bunch of people trying to take their selfies with Jesus. You know, that's, that's what he was. He was like rock star status. But this woman, this woman didn't want a picture with Jesus. She didn't want to just touch Jesus, just to, to touch him. No, no, she wanted her healing. She was determined. Her faith was elevated. She had, listen, repositioned herself. She had repositioned her body. She had gotten out of her calamity, out of the area in which she was in. And she repositioned her mind and her heart by telling herself, if I only touch the hem of his garment... I will be healed. She believed in his deity. She believed in his power to save her. She went up to where he was at while still on the ground, stretched out her hand, her feeble, weak arm. She stretched it out to touch the hem of his garment. Jesus stopped. He looked at his disciples and he said, who touched me? His disciples looked at him and said, come on, Lord, seriously? everybody's touching you. There's like thousands of people around you. And Jesus said, no, someone touched me in a special way because I felt the power flow from within me. The woman said, Lord, it was I. Imagine her looking up from the ground, trembling. She had broken the Levitical law. Come on. Yes, she had repositioned herself in faith, but she was doing something she wasn't supposed to. It was I, she said. Jesus, I can only imagine with a very humble and compassionate look in his eyes, looked at her, stretched down his arm to reach her hand, pulled her up and said, my daughter, your faith has healed you. Just as she did, I encourage you, my friend, to rise up, to think, if only If only I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. I encourage you to get out of your state of complacency. I encourage you to elevate your faith and to start to believe that if he did it for her, he can do it for you. She believed that he could, and he did. I encourage you to rise up today and to take on a new attitude. Acquire a different perspective and start declaring I may have been sick for a long time, but I am not going to die. I'm going to live. The Lord is restoring my health. And expect a sudden move from God. You see, when people see death, God sees life. When people see destruction, God envisions new creation. When people see disease, God envisions healing. And when people see failure, God already sees the victory. Let's be honest. If you are continually thinking sickness, you will eventually end up sick. 
If you are continually feeding your mind with fear, you will eventually end up a nervous wreck. It's that plain and simple. Look, your words are like seeds that are planted in the mind. They will eventually grow and produce a fruit, and of that fruit, you will have to eat. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, that there's power in our tongue, power to bring life or death, to edify or to destroy. It's time to to rise up and to move in faith. You can't mope around all day, all depressed and defeated and expect suddenly from God. You can't spend your life declaring sickness and calamity over yourself and expect to to walk in victory. Nothing is going to change, my friend, unless you elevate your faith. And so what happens if I elevate my hope and my faith, people ask, and nothing happens? Well, you continue to believe. You continue to expect. You continue to declare the word of God and you continue, listen to me, you continue to walk in faith. Abraham was an old man and Sarah, Sarah was an old woman when they got the promise from God. They waited for almost 20 years. The Bible says that Abraham continued to hope and walk in faith because he knew that God's promise would come to pass. In the natural, it seemed impossible. But in the supernatural, all things are possible when you believe. I believe he woke up every day thinking that this could be the day. This could be the day that the Lord shows up unexpectedly. This could be the day. Friends, God is able. God is willing. His promises are yes and amen. All he requires of you is your faith. God is waiting for you to take a step of faith, my friend. Nothing else will move the hand of God except for faith. How do I know that? The Bible says so. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. There's a story of a little girl who grew up in a single-parent home. Her her mother had passed away, and her dad was raising her, and he was doing a, a fine job at it. Dad was a hard worker, but he barely made ends meet. And so the little girl that was in the third grade, she pretty much wore the same dress every day or some hand-me-downs that they had gotten from family or friends. And and so she was made fun of by the other children in the classroom because, well, she was underprivileged. They were not wealthy, and it was noticeable that they struggled. And so one day on a Saturday, the father took the daughter downtown. They went window shopping, and they came across this window. It was a store that sold the cutest little dresses. And the little girl was captivated. She was enamored with this this beautiful dress that was right there in the window. She looked at her father and with great big eyes, the father, even before she opened her mouth, said, you want that dress, don't you, sweetheart? She says, I do, dad. I would love to have that dress. And he said, it's yours. It's yours. She said, are you serious? She had never had a brand new dress. Never. And so the father said, yes, sweetheart. However, I can't pay for it today. Payday is a few days away, so we'll come back next Saturday and we'll buy it for you. How's that? She was excited. She was thrilled. Her countenance changed. She had a different attitude. And so Monday came around and she walked into her classroom with a great big smile. She was wearing the old tattered dress. And everyone in the classroom asked her, well, what's wrong with you? Why are you in such a good mood? You know, what's going on in your life? Are you nuts? And she said, I have a new dress. I have a new dress. It's, it's a beautiful dress. 
Everybody stared at her and thought she was crazy. They said, you're wearing the same tattered dress you've always worn. She said, no, but I have a new dress. I have a new dress. And throughout the whole week, with that same encouragement, with that same excitement, with that same great big smile, she not once doubted that that dress, although it wasn't hanging in her closet, although they hadn't picked it up, she not once did she doubt that that dress was hers. Saturday came around, dad took her downtown, and they picked up that beautiful white dress that she was so excited about. Now that's what I call faith. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. She hoped for it. She couldn't see it, but she believed that it would be hers simply because her father had made a promise. The prophet Zechariah says that we are to be prisoners of hope. So do yourself a favor and stop focusing on your circumstances and focus on a God who keeps his promises. Stop telling God how great your issues and problems and circumstances are and tell your problems how great our God is. Don't let the enemy steal your joy, my friend. You see, we're taught at church at times that we are to magnify God. But let me tell you, God doesn't need to be magnified. He's already great. He's already big. He already exceeds our expectation. What we need to do is magnify our perspective of who God is and what he is capable of doing in our lives. So I want to end by encouraging you to do four things. Four things as you expect God's promises to come to fruition in your life, whatever they may be. As I mentioned earlier, if they are promises that are found in the scripture, if they are in God's word, if they are in the Bible, well, then you pray for it fervently, believing and not hesitating like the man with leprosy who said, if you are willing, you've got to understand that if it's in the Bible, the answer is, yes, my son, yes, my daughter, I am willing. So start believing in faith and then ask in faith and then go on to wait on the Lord in faith and then, and then expect a suddenly from God. Get ready because your turning point is soon to come. God bless you guys. Love you in Christ. If this episode spoke to you, if it made sense to you, if it brought clarity to your heart and in your mind, would you take just a minute to rate this episode and to leave a positive comment? I would truly appreciate it.